felt in your life in making personal decisions or in business decisions, um, or even in close relationship decisions, you ever feel stuck and just like you're not progressing? Anyone ever feel that way? And oftentimes we can get in, in a place of just being stuck that we're not progressing and developing ourselves personally, professionally, or maybe we have a significant uh, challenge business-wise. Uh, maybe we're entrepreneurs and we're trying to figure out what is it that I can do to go make some extra money. And oftentimes we feel stuck in our thought processes, and so we study, we watch videos on YouTube. I mean, oh my gosh, on YouTube? If there's anything you don't know in this world, it's all on YouTube. I mean, there's no excuse that we don't know what to do because there's so much free information out there that is available to us. So why is it with all this information are we not seeing just, you know, tremendous ideas coming out? I mean, we do, but for ourselves. Why is it that sometimes we struggle with coming up with that great idea or that great solution? And my background, I worked for Stephen Covey for about 11 years. Um, prior to, or after working for Covey Leadership Center, we merged with a company called Franklin Quest. Um, it became Franklin Covey. Any of you guys know Dr. Stephen R. Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, or am I? Okay, good. So everyone's got a little bit of age on them, because if you're like 20, you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but I worked for him for 11 years, going into businesses and consulting and doing leadership development and understanding how do you get people moving in the right direction and seeing greater results. And um, after my Covey experience, I was actually hired by Melaleuca down just up the road. Um, back in 2003, I was vice president of, of wellness development, uh, which was really kind of leadership development. And in the last 10 years, I've been basically an entrepreneur, doing a lot of different things. Um, but the things I've gotten involved in have always had to come from innovation, innovative ideas, and best practices, and how to implement those. I kind of consider myself a little bit of an idea guy and a dreamer, and really poor on execution from a, from a talent standpoint. But what I learned was, when I was able to translate my ideas into execution, and actually follow through on those things when I had this bright flash of inspiration. I knew what I needed to do, but I'd actually implement it, how fast results would come. That's what I was always, I've always been surprised at, like, going, how do you move fast? Because I hate waiting. I'm very, very impatient. Uh, so let's talk about um, how we create aha moments, how we create flashes and glimpses of brilliance, how we come up and, and problem solve in order to improve our lives. So... We're talking about big ideas. Jo Johannes Gutenberg. You guys know who he is? Gutenberg Press, right? Back in the 1400s, he was a businessman, trying to, and he was actually, his business was actually, he was a goldsmith. And he was always struggling to really make money. He would often you know, be out of cash and, and owe some debtors, and he was always trying to figure out, how do I make more money? Well, what was going on at this time in England in the 1400s, around 1450, is that there was a movement of literacy. It was going from the nobles and the priests, and it was starting to, to get out, and people were starting to learn to read on down through the different classes. But it was very, very slow. In fact, at this time, there was estimated to be only about 30,000, I think, let's see, get my numbers right, because I don't want yeah, to, there were about 40 million people on the planet, and only 30,000 books. So literacy obviously was moving really, really slow. And to get access to those books was really challenging. So he started to kind of to look at, okay, how are people getting these books? Well, right now, there's only you basically had to 
transcribe from, you know, handwrite this one and copy it down on another piece of paper, and then you have an extra copy. Or they had a little block press, but it was moving really slow. Well, finally one day as he was contemplating the challenge of literacy and, and creating multiple copies of books, he had this flash of light, as he would describe, or this, this flash of brilliance where he saw in his mind's eye a movable press, as far as the block press and print press. He saw, that he saw it in actual his, his mind's eye. It took him about 10 years um, to create, and after a lot of research and, and testing and trying, and finally, he came out with the Gutenberg Press, and within 50 years of that invention, let me get my numbers right on this, too. Within 50 years, they produced over 40,000 new books and 20 million copies of those books. And I think we can all attest today what influence that the idea of being able to get information disseminated to the masses has done. So how do you calculate the value of that aha moment or of any aha moment that we might have? I'm a big believer in that there's always, there are ideas and inspiration coming to all of us all the time. Or at least there is a possibility of inspiration and ideas coming to us all the time. The problem is that we're not accessing it because we are being distracted and we don't know how to access those ideas. And we also don't know how to take those ideas and really turn them into solutions to problems that could improve our lives or the lives of others. So, what is an aha moment to you? What, is a, what, is, what does that feel like? Or a burst of inspiration or a revelation, something being revealed to you? Think about that for a minute as far as how does that actually translate into your own personal life when you've had those moments? What did it feel like? What did you do about it? How did it move you from one thing to another? An aha moment is really an innovative thought accompanied with creative insight and high levels of motivation and engagement. Basically, when we have, these, when we have a flash of brilliance or a great idea, it's one thing just to have an idea. And sometimes that idea will lead to another idea, and then another idea. And then a, and eventually, it will all click for us. And when it clicks, it motivates us. Have you ever been involved in a job or a cause where you, you didn't have to be motivated? It was just like, it was, it was who you were. It became who you were. What happens when we learn and we start to process and when we start to gather information, we make connections, and then all of a sudden there's this, this flash of brilliance where the connection makes sense or becomes part of us and we're like, we're driven by it. All of a sudden, the, the steps forward become very clear and very, and we become very driven to follow through on that idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some more examples of this. But let's watch a little video of, of people and their aha moments. My name is Rena. I'm Jared. My name is Marty. I'm JD. And I'm Natalie. And this is my aha. My aha moment. It's kind of a revelation. A sudden realization of something. An aha moment is magic. It's like a little light bulb going off over on top of your head. That moment when everything clicks. Your heart starts beating a little bit faster. You get goosebumps. And then something just kind of blindsides you. Kind of like getting hit by a truck. You have this moment of clarity where all of a sudden things just make sense. I think it's a moment where you have to step outside your comfort zone. When you take that leap from 
thinking about it and then actually doing it. That moment that we can do this, there's nothing stopping us. Just say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do and follow through with it. I think it's probably different for everybody. I think everybody has aha moments. Some people choose to accept the invitation and some people don't. Comes not very often, but when it comes, it's life changing. It does make you feel as though there's possibility everywhere. I went from social worker to entrepreneur. I decided to go back to school. Hollywood assistant director turned psychotherapist. This is the guy that I want to spend the rest of my life with. We decided to form a nonprofit. I ended up getting a leading role in the play. And I made a decision to adopt my daughter. I guess an aha moment is really opening your eyes to what's around you. It's a moment where you have to make a choice. Like standing on the edge of a pool, you know, do you jump in, do you not, do you hesitate? Once you, once your foot goes off the side, there's no going back. Something you didn't expect to know, didn't particularly seek to know, but it happened. It happened to you, and you'd better do something with it. What's it feel like to you, that aha moment? So here's the premise of the idea with the big idea, is that we can actually accelerate and create. We can't force it, but we can create an environment in our mind and in our thinking and in our thoughts and our dreams and our sleep to create aha moments. And the, the idea is that you create the environment within your own personal life to allow yourself to receive, I, I don't know if we want to call it guidance or inspiration or something that connects us with truth and with ideas and solutions. So to do that, we need to understand something. We need to understand how the brain science works because it's all in our heads, it's all in our minds. So neurons, our brains are made up of billions and billions of neurons. And those neurons are always going. And there's brain waves and brain activity. And some of the research done in understanding this is, is there was a study and research done on what type of activity is going on in the brain What's the degree of, of energy flowing through with the brain waves? And what is that creating? So how do we learn? Because we've got to create an environment. If we're going to have an aha moment or a big idea or a, an answer to a question or a concern or a problem, is we've got, to, we've got to have learning moments where we're gathering information, but not just where we're gathering information, but where it clicks. And all of a sudden, like, going, ah, that's the answer. I got it now. So let's watch in the brain how this works. the neurons in the brain. The neurons are in these synapses. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I'm not a, but watch this in slow motion. Neurons are the energy moving the synapses along and learning is occurring. Thoughts, ideas, information gathering. Boom. Can you see it? That's happening inside our brain when we learn something new. So it's scientific. You ever know that? Creating an aha moment is not just kind of spiritual and emotional, it's scientific. Boom. Bright idea. Learning. 
now becomes a process of which memories are created and, um, I, and other dots can start to connect to that new idea. So the brain waves are produced by synchronized electrical pulses of communicating called neurons and there's three states of our brain as far as brain waves. There's the beta state and that is the state we are all in right now unless you're sleeping on me. <laughs> we're gathering information. We're maybe in a meeting. We're, we're learning something. We're watching a video. We're, we're engaging in a, in a conversation to try to solve a problem. Um, we're watching stuff on the internet. We're, we're, we're reading our email. It's our constant activity. Look at the, the amount of activity going on at the beta state. Tremendous brainwave activity because we are consciously aware of our surroundings and what's going on. That is where we are at most all the time. But what's interesting about aha moments and flashes of brilliance is they never occur in the beta state. Now that's interesting. They never occur in the beta state. If that is true, then when we're in deep dialogue and we're coming up with you know, ideas and solutions, it's not that we can't problem solve in this thing. We do problem solve. But the aha moments, the real in-depth understanding, come when our brain goes from beta into alpha, and then preceding anything from alpha is gamma. Now, what's gamma? Now, alpha is like a, a state of, of rest, okay, or of sleep, or of dream state. So when we are asleep, we're in alpha mode. When we are also just in a, in a mode of habitual behavior that we don't have to think about it. So I was driving up here to Idaho um, to, where are we at? We're not in Idaho Falls. What's, <laughs> we're at Fort Hall. From, I was driving from Provo up here to Fort Hall, and I've made this drive about 500 times. So I know the road, and I can just go, and I can think, and think. And before I know it, I have no idea where I'm at. I haven't been watching signs. I'm not paying attention to my next turn. I've got Google Maps going just in case I wander off and go off to, poke, you know, to Boise instead. Um, so I don't even have to worry about where I'm going. I know where I'm going, and I just go. During that time, my mind can easily move into alpha state. That's important because it's those moments when I start to have insight about my things I'm trying to work on things I'm trying to deal with. And I don't have to worry about staying focused on the details of what I'm doing. I can just think. And when our minds slow down, that's alpha state. Now, gamma state. Gamma's interesting. Gamma's all about that flash of tremendous insight. It comes in bursts. It comes in bumps. It may be small, it may be big, but look at the brain activity when that happens. See, in, in, in studying the brain and how we think and process and make decisions, the real lightning like Gutenberg, okay, or um, Einstein with a the theory of relativity, who, who's, who invented gravity? <laughs> or discovered gravity? <laughs> Newton. Newton's idea of gravity came when he was thinking about it. That's his, that was his response. How did you come up with the idea of and discovering gravity? He's like, because I thought about it. And I thought about it a lot. 
And then one day, boom, right, the apple, right? But it was like this flash of brilliance, like going, ah! The guy who discovered how to split the atom, he was in a conference learning about atoms from the speaker, and he was, this was his field. And they were discussing the, the properties of the atom and, and what it could do and what it couldn't do. And it didn't sit right with him. He goes, this isn't right, this isn't right. And he struggled with it, struggled with it. And then finally he was walking across the street. He was just in normal mode, not thinking about his work, not thinking about neurons and, and atoms and all this kind of stuff. He was just crossing the street. And he said, boom, I got it. If atoms are this and this, that would mean this, and you could split an atom. Never been talked about. Never been discussed in his field. There's a completely idea out of nowhere. Where did it come from? Where did that come from? Interesting. There was a gamma burst of insight and understanding beyond anything that you could explain. So, beta, we spend most of our time here. It's fast, we're alert, attentive, on task, but it's also exhausting. At the end of the day, you're going to be like, I'm done. I don't know if I'm coming back tomorrow. Because you're gathering all this information, you're connecting dots and gathering dots of information, and you're going to be a little bit worn out of thinking, of listening. Okay? So your brain's got to hit a state of alpha. Now this is really, really interesting. Look at this data about the brain. The brain is a glutton. Okay? It takes so much of our energy. 70%, it takes 70% of the glucose intake. You know that? 25% of our oxygen is for the brain. 25%. The brain is only 2% of our body weight. It's taking 25% of the oxygen, 20% of the calories. If you want to get skinny, just think a lot. <laughs> okay, alpha. We talked about this. It's dreamlike thinking. So creativity is at its peak in this alpha state. The question then is, how do you move to this? This is really kind of an interesting uh, um, experience as far as, you know, when we're in beta state. You ever, have you guys ever heard the term flow from sports, um, sports psychology? You've seen athletes. I think I didn't see the game the other night, but um, anyway, who just shot like 30-something? 53. Yeah, 50 points of three points. Just good night. Anyway, there, there are times in, in sports psychology that there's a thing called flow. When an athlete almost is performing at such a high peak of, of performance without even thinking about it. Without even thinking about it. And they call it flow, where everything is just moving in the right direction. Musicians find this when they, um, when they, when they create a piece or um, people who write music or um, the one who wrote the Christmas Carol. You ever written, uh, read about how um, Dickinson wrote the Christmas Carol in like, in like one night after months of struggling trying to figure out his next book, his next story, and then a flash of brilliance, and then it was just in flow. That's what gamma is like when you're just in flow or alpha. When you just, it's all just coming naturally, almost effortlessly. Well, I don't know if any of you are golfers, but I am a horrible golfer because this is me. I mean, always. I'm thinking about every stupid thing and, and idea that everyone has told me about how to swing the thinking golf club. And I don't know how to just get up there and just swing away. Because sometimes I think I'm in that flow, 
and I just go up there, I'm relaxed, I'm chilling, and nothing's going on in my brain. I'm like, I'm in a state of golf flow right now. And I go up and I just swing away and just a super sharp slice or just driving it down into the ground like you know, 20 feet away. And it's just so frustrating. But when you have practice, when you put in your, your muscles, create memories, right? That's the whole idea as far as when you create memories of success, they feed on each other and often you can find yourself in this flow state. This is a great story about 2016 for those that follow golf. golf Jordan Spieth, did I pronounce it right? I think it's Spieth or is it Spieth? Spieth? All right. Um, in 2016, if you guys saw this a couple of years ago, it was one of the biggest fall-apart stories in U.S. Masters history. He had a five-stroke lead going into the final day of the United States Masters. And in a period of just a few holes, I think it was six, um, he lost six shots in three holes. That's like crazy breakdown. What happened? He, got, he went into beta state. For, for three and a half days, he was in perfect flow, and then all of a sudden, the pressure and the anxiety, one of the biggest barriers to creativity and solving problems is anxiety, worry, and depression. You know what's interesting? Today, there is more stuff going on with anxiety and depression and worry than ever before. And there is so and it's putting our minds always, always in beta state. So if we have anxiety or worry or wondering and what ifs and all these scenarios playing out in our brain constantly, what did I say earlier? You can never get to problem solving as far as that bright idea when you're in beta. The flashes of brilliance don't come. So the worrying about it all the time and the anxiety associated with it are literally shutting down your ability to solve your own problem. And yet that's what you're trying to do when you have anxiety, right? You're like going, I just got to fix this. I got to do this. And what about this? And what about this? And if I do this? And what if I do this? And you're thinking of all these end results. And it's called awfulizing sometimes. And you awfulize all the end results of what they could or couldn't be. But it breaks down your entire ability to solve problems. So what's going on in our world right now that keeps us out of alpha state? Let's look at this. So you're reading an article online when you get an instant message with a link to a funny photo, which of course you have to share. And now you're reading your Facebook news wall, which sends you to a video of a panda bear attacking a kid. And now you're reading Wikipedia to learn everything you can about the violent behavior of panda bears. And this is what three minutes on the internet can be like. We live like this all the time, and it has to have some kind of effect on us. The net is making us more superficial as thinkers. That is Nicholas Carr. He is the author of The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. To understand this whole thing better, we need to go way back in time to, say, like, the prehistoric age. You wanted to know everything going on around you because the more you knew about your surroundings, the less likely you were to get attacked by a predator. And there's even evidence that our brains release some dopamine, pleasure-producing uh, neurotransmitter chemical, to reward us for seeking out and finding new information. So getting distracted felt good and helped us stay alive. But the problem is that nowadays, predators aren't much of an issue, but we still have the same brains. And also, there's the internet. 
which is... It's an incredibly information-rich environment uh, that the net creates for us, and that's why we use it so much. I, I mean, sounds, pictures, words, text. And what this tends to do is, is promote a sort of compulsive behavior, which we're constantly checking our smartphone, constantly glancing at our email inbox. We're kind of living in this perpetual state of distraction and interruption. Which is dangerous because... That mode of thinking crowds out the more contemplative, calmer modes of thinking. And that focused, calm thinking is actually how we learn. It's a process called memory consolidation. And that means the transfer of information from our short-term working memory to our long-term memory. And it's through moving information from your working memory to your long-term memory that you create connections between that information and everything else you know. So you've got this awesome life-changing piece of information in your short-term memory, but then you hear that email ding and poof, there it goes. That email takes its place and you never get a chance to learn anything all because of one distraction. So attention is the key, and if we lose control of our attention or are constantly dividing our attention, uh, then we don't really enjoy that consolidation process. But I can hear it now. Someone out there is saying, uh, what does learning matter if all the information in the world is just a Google search away? Well... Um, that is kind of shortchanging our intellects. If that's the way you're using your mind, just kind of searching very quickly and finding information and then forgetting it very quickly, you're never building knowledge. You're simply, you're, you're kind of thinking like a computer. Which means that our very humanity is at stake. And it would be a shame if we all got assimilated because, well, humanity is pretty neat. I really believe that if you look at the great monuments of, of culture, they come from people who are able to pay attention, who control their mind. That's what allows us to think in the highest terms, in, in, think conceptually, think critically, uh, think in some very creative ways. And it's this kind of thinking that's at risk, being eroded one cute cat video at a time. Don't get us wrong, the internet is good for lots of things and it should be celebrated. But the best thing we can do for our minds is to find some time every day to unplug, calm down, and focus on one thing at a time. Your email and those cats will be here when you get back. <laughs> Love that video. So technology is making us so according to his book, Shallow Thinkers. We are, we're not thinking deep about anything. Have you ever seen an overnight success? Someone with an, that seems to have an overnight success? It's never an overnight success, right? There's always months or years of planning, of work, of, of process, or working on something for, for years or maybe decades. Um, it's little by little. Things are opened up and revealed. What's interesting about one of my processes in my own personal life is I'm always trying to move in a, in a more, in the right direction for me. Like, what's right for me? So, in my own thoughts and pondering and prayers and, and meditation, I'm always kind of asking for insight to the universe or to my God or my Heavenly Father, whatever you believe in. And that process allows things to incrementally come. And sometimes they just come, one, not maybe gamma spike, but maybe a bump. One idea 
illuminates itself. I follow through on that. And what's interesting, all of a sudden, the next thing is revealed. And the next thing is revealed. And sometimes it comes step by step, little by little. But when we become inundated with always trying to fill our mind with so much information and so much data, we never allow our brains to reveal itself, the solution. See, our brains are always at work behind the scenes. That's what's so fascinating about this concept is you can learn how to get your brain to work when you're not thinking about it. You don't have to think about it to solve the problem. You have to think about it and gather information, gather data, do your best, and then you've got to allow your brain to start to, to take over. So the consolidation process is it's a mental process of converting all the information you're gathering in the short-term memory and converting it to the long-term memory. So those, those synapses and neurons and all that stuff, that's happening without our forcing it. It just happens when we're not paying attention, when we're in alpha mode, sleep mode, calm mode. Our brain allows it to slow down and it's allowing itself to consolidate and process information. So, but when we're in, <laughs> when, we're, when it's not happening, when we're in beta mode, this is, this is how our life feels. You ever feel like this? Right? Like, why can't I solve the problem? Why can't I come up with a solution? I'm working so dang hard on this, and it doesn't come. Stop. Just stop. Put the pause button on for a minute and realize, see, I love this because no one ever told me to stop. Through experience and life and, and my, the way that things have come, I've kind of learned this along the way, but I never was able to put a real, oh, this is how it works. I just kind of thought, this is interesting how it works. All of a sudden, the idea came to me, or the solution came. And without me even knowing it, it was just happening all the time when I would slow down, but I never drew that connection. Slow down. Allow it to happen. Anyway. <laughs> so alpha block is the inability to transition from beta to alpha because of stress, fear, and anxiety. We talked about that. So what's the value to you? If you've got little notes, maybe just answer some of these questions. First of all, if you haven't already, um, I probably should have done this in the beginning, but write down maybe one or two things you really would love to improve in your life by like 35 to 40% improvement in your personal life and your professional life. Where would you like to see dramatic, you know, 30 to 40% improvement in your personal life and your, and your professional life, okay? And if you could solve that problem with a high level of inspiration, and guidance, finding a solution that you currently don't know. What would that mean to you? So what's the value of getting to that alpha state? And let's talk about how to get you there. So gamma moves really, really fast. It's for the gamma spikes, for the burst of inspiration. Gamma waves originate in, in the thalamus. We don't need to know that. It's just there. Um, but it moves back and forth to the brain at 40 times per second. It's extremely, extremely fast brainwave activity. And it's happening throughout the night when we're sleeping, actually. So gamma occurs after we've already achieved alpha state. So what's interesting when we're sleeping, maybe you guys are, we all have heard of like REM sleep, right? It's that 
REM sleep is when we're in that deep thing. Sometimes we're twitching, we're in dream state. But what's happening through the night, about four to five times, is we are moving from REM state to kind of non-REM but deep sleep. Okay, so it's kind of a back and forth. And when we are in REM, we're in we're in alpha, we're actually in oh gosh, I can't remember. It's, what's that? We are in gamma and going back and forth between gamma. I'm sorry, we're in alpha. We're going back and forth between alpha and gamma, constantly back and forth. And what's happening is our brain is on on work mode in our behalf. And you can actually teach your brain what to start to think about when you're asleep by being very clear about what you're trying to accomplish in your life and in your world. And if you're, if you're clear and you've got clarity as far as the things you're working on, your brain, while you're sleeping, will go back and forth and actually start to find the solutions to your problems for you. Kind of cool. So in beta, we're, we're collecting the dots. We're in gathering information. In alpha, we're connecting the dots. And then in gamma, we have that aha moment. Where it's like going, ah, not just is, does it make logical sense, but now I, it's illuminated and it, I see that a whole different context and feeling around it. So let me, I'd love to, what kind of time do we have? Ten more minutes? This is interesting. Robert Louis Stevenson was intrigued with the concept of good and evil in personality and wanted to write a story around the idea. But a plot would not come. For two days, he racked his brain looking for an idea. On the second night, he had a dream where he, he saw two or three scenes that eventually appeared in the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Early the next morning, his wife recalled, I was awakened by cries of horror from Lewis. Thinking he had a nightmare, I awakened him. He said angrily, why did you wake me? I was dreaming of a fine bogey tale. I had awakened to him in the, uh, at the very first transformational scene of what became Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Sorry. He, he dreamed it. Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards regularly kept a guitar and a tape recorder by his bed to capture ideas that came to him in the night. One morning, he awoke to see the tape recording running. He hadn't recalled walking in or waking up in the night, so he assumed that he had accidentally pushed the record button in his sleep. He rewound the tape, and there, in some sort of ghostly version, the main riff of the hit song, Satisfaction. It was a whole verse of it. And after that, 40 minutes of snor and after that was 40 minutes of snoring. <laughs> he said, "I actually dreamt the damn thing." That's how he came up with the song "Satisfaction." Paul McCartney composed the melody of "Yesterday," based on a dream he had one night in 1964. I woke up in the morning with a tune in my head, and I thought, "Hey, I don't know this tune, or do I?" It was just like a jazzy melody. I went to the piano and found the chords to it. I made sure I remembered it and then hawked it around to a few of my friends asking what it was. 
Do you know this? It's a good little tune, but I couldn't have written it because I dreamed it. That's how our brain works. It solves our problems. It creates opportunities. And every single one of us, the universe wants you to succeed. And every one of us. Everything by design and how our brains work and how we receive ideas is by design to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. You get to choose the things you want to focus on. You get to choose the things you want to learn about and discover and solve problems for. You get to choose if your life is happy or sad or miserable. We're all perfectly aligned to get the results that we get. Ever heard that statement before? We are all perfectly aligned by how we think, what we do, how we act to get the results we get. So if we want to get different results, We've got to do different things. So here's a process of getting yourself to a, to a state to create more aha moments. I don't carry this around enough as I've been doing research. I'm, like, I'm going to carry it all the time. This is my idea book. I've had it for about five, six years. Before this, I had another one for about five years that I used off and on. And I didn't realize what I was doing with this book, other than I thought it was really cool looking. And when I would do business trainings or consultings or work with different clients, um, I would just write down my ideas in this book. I decided just to keep them in this. And I didn't even realize the power of what I was doing. But when you, one of the processes of, of getting yourself to this state is writing. Writing. We should all be writing our thoughts, our ideas. When Da Vinci died, he had over, there were over 30,000 pages of notebooks found in his room. Can you even imagine? And we think, wow, Da Vinci, what an influencer he's been in all of the world. But look how he learned. Yeah, and discovered and came up with things. It wasn't just by chance. It wasn't just some gifted person on the planet who had these amazing gifts. He did stuff to create it, to make it happen. Over 30,000 pages of notebooks. This is a page from Da Vinci's Commonplace book. Look at the types of writing and pictures and illustrations and of these thinking through things and trying to solve problems and come up with new ideas. I mean, it's crazy. This is from Galileo's Commonplace book. See some different you know, drawings and, and ideas, and nothing's, you know, it's just, it's just kind of all over, the, all over the place. This is from Newton's commonplace book. Hundreds, thousands of pages of writing that these individuals have. Ben Franklin, same thing. So I love this, this by uh, E.M. Foster. How do you know what I think until I see what I say? How do I know what I think until I see what I say? I can tell you from my own personal experience, there was incredible, and not just typing it on a computer and, in, and on Word documents. There's, there's a difference in how our brain works. When we're typing on a computer, we're in, in beta mode. When we are writing with a pen or pencil on a piece of paper, our brain waves 
slow down to alpha mode. Scientifically proven. So you write. Get your idea book out. This is just some writing time guidelines for just if you want to kind of say, well, what do I do? Take 15 to 30 minutes of you know, time every day just to write. Work on your ideas. And the thing is, sometimes it'll just be sometimes it'll just be stupid ideas. Sometimes you'll just let it pass. You're like going, that didn't get me anywhere. But it's just a process. And if you keep doing it, practicing it, all of a sudden connections start to be made. You gotta turn off the internet and your cell phone, right? We gotta get rid of the, the distractions. All right, so how do you get to the gamma spike? Starts with a first, you've got to start with a provocative question or idea. Okay? You've got to really clearly identify. You actively seek information around that and go to alpha state of the brain. So I'm going to jump, jump ahead for just a minute. All right, so these are the five eyes. Here's the five steps of inspiration. First, we identify. So this is the, the creative thinking model. This is similar to many of the great minds models. There's, there's different variations, but it's all doing, it's all suggesting the same thing to get ourselves to this creative state. Identify, meaning we've got to learn to ask the right questions of what we're trying to solve. So, for example, the nomadic, nomadic society, their question was, how do we get water? Okay? Your question might be similar. But as you start to process that question, and come up with ideas, and you start to ponder on it, and start to think about it, maybe it's not how do we get to water, but how do we get water to come to us? The idea and the question starts to expand. Our creativity starts to kick in as we gather information. So it's a process. So first we identify, and then we allow that to, to formulate ideas and knowledge, and that's where we are in beta state. We're gathering information in this state, okay, in both the identify and the ideate. But then we incubate. What does that mean? You put in a ton of time in identifying. You put in a time and energy in, in formulating your ideas, coming up with your best thoughts, researching the internet, watching YouTube videos, whatever you got to do. And then you step away. You, you write it down, you've got your ideas, and you let it incubate. And you allow your brain to do its work. And you allow yourself to just unwind, relax, let it go, and let that incubate. Come back to it from time to time, continue to work on it, but then allow it to incubate. And what's, what's proven as we go through these three steps is we will receive aha moments. It's scientifically proven. You'll have learning, deeper understanding. It might be that baby step moving you in a certain direction. It might even be that's a false assumption, false idea. It's not going to work. I'm moving on to the next one. But it will come to you, and you'll know what to do. It will absolutely illuminate to you in your mind and in your heart and your thoughts and your feelings. You will feel it and know it and know what to do with it at that point. And then when you know what to do with it, whether it's leave it alone, move on, go on to something else that leads you, or just forget about it, whatever it is, you implement it. You do whatever it tells you to do. 
And what I have found in my own personal experience, when I follow what I have been told in my mind, whether it's leave it alone, move on, follow through on it, it, and I go out and follow through on that, what's interesting is I become better and better at creating the creative process for the next problem, for the next idea, for the next challenge in my life. And now it becomes more of kind of that rep repetitive muscle memory and development to know how to be more creative in, in solving problems in my life. I'm just going to end on this quote. It's a little bit um, paraphrased. <clears throat> but this is uh, something that I've always felt in my life is, is absolutely true. There is absolute power in committing ourselves to follow through on something that we want to do or an idea that we have that lights us up, right? Something that we get excited about, that aha moment. When we are lit up and we make a decision, there's one elementary truth that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help that one would never otherwise have occurred. A whole system of events arise from the decision, raising in one's favor, all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance which no person could have dreamt would have come his way. And that has happened time and time again in sometimes small ways and sometimes miraculous big ways. And when you follow through on these processes and you commit and you move, the universe and your brain and your ideas, things will move for you and with you because everything by design is so that you can be more successful. All right, thanks for having me today, guys. That's going to wrap it up.